Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. Hey, do me a favor before I preach. Can we pray together? I'd love to just take a moment and pause and pray. So would you do me a favor? Every eye closed. And um, if you're able to, can you just extend your hand this way? And uh, just begin to pray for your pastor as I, I just begin to intercede, as we all intercede for what God is getting ready to do. We start a new series. I'm excited. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for everything that you are doing in this house. We thank you for how your spirit is moving and how you are doing phenomenal things in this place. And God, as we get ready to hear the word today, I pray that you would open up every heart. I pray that you would open up every mind. I pray that we would be willing and receptive, Father, to what you have for us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. And we all say Amen. Clap your hands one last time. And I am excited. Hey, today we start a brand new series called Dream Again. Everybody say Dream Again. And I am so excited to talk to you about this. This is something that God has deposited on the inside of my heart for you all. And um, I really believe that we are all born with this really big thing that God wants us to do. And somewhere along the way, we lose sight of that. And so what I'm hoping to do is to get this entire congregation recalibrated to the thing that God has called you to do. Now, if you don't know what our vision as a church is, it's very simple. The vision of Lighthouse Church and the reason that we exist is so that people far from God can fulfill their potential in Christ. You want to know when the church wins? When you're winning in your life. When you are becoming who God has called you to become. And so the way this series is going to go is there's seven big ideas that we're going to unpack over the next few weeks. And the first big idea is that everybody has a God dream on the inside of them. And the second thing we got to do once we become aware of that dream is we've got to kill the negative thoughts that we put in ourselves. How many of us sometimes we can do the, the, the biggest disservice to us? When, when we negative speak to ourselves or when we create, create barriers that God doesn't see. And, and we're the ones that created those barriers. And God's like, what barrier? What lid? What ceiling? There's no ceilings. And so that's, so we're going to get this awareness of the dream. Then we're going to talk about how do we overcome those negative inner voices. And then how do we overcome the negative voices of others? Because that's a, a very real thing too. Um, sometimes you do have to overcome the naysayers. I think they call this in the Urban Dictionary the haters, right? How I many of there are haters? All right, and sometimes you got some haters that genuinely do not want to see you succeed. So we're going to unpack how do we deal with the external opposition. And then the fourth thing that we're going to unpack is how do we endure the season of testing? Because make no mistake, there will be a test. The problem with too many brands of Christianity is, is we preach that everything's going to be sunny and that everything's going to be rosy and that life with Christ is going to be nothing but Skittles and unicorns. But how many know that there's going to be struggles sometimes? And so we have to learn how to endure those seasons of testings. And then beyond that, we're going to talk about then how do we fully and wholly surrender to God? Because many of us want Jesus to be Lord, but we really haven't made him Lord of our life. 
right? We like the concept of God, but we have a problem with his lordship because lordship means you let him drive. You take your hands off the steering wheel, right? You do like Sister Carrie Underwood, and you just start seeing Jesus take the wheel. And so uh, we're going to talk about how do we fully do that. Then the last two things we're going to talk about is how do you fight giants that are standing in your way? Because there are some real giants that, and, and some real opposition that you're going to have to deal with because the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So we're going to talk about the haters earlier, but then we're going to talk about the spiritual aspect of it because we deal and we wrestle with wickedness in spiritual places. Yeah, I know. It gets real quiet when we talk like that. They're like, oh, the pastor's preaching spooky. No, no, I'm talking Bible stuff right here, okay? So we're going to deal with that. And the last thing we're going to talk about is how do you reach the full potential as you achieve your dream but simultaneously honor God? Because there's a mindset out there in this world that says if you hustle, 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 but you can hustle and not honor God and you're not doing the God thing that he's called you to do. Okay? There's a difference between your hustle and actually flowing in the grace that God has for you. Sound good? So that's going to be our roadmap, if you will, for the next uh, seven weeks that we're in this series. But I want you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. And while you get there, we're going to put it on the screens as well. But just know that those seven things that we talked about is all based on this biblical pattern that we're going to unpack together. Because that's not some self-help book that I just quoted all those things to you about. That is actual biblical pattern of every time someone became aware of the dream that they had and then the things that they had to deal with. So we're going to unpack scriptural truth, all right? I am not up here trying to get you to become the best version of you. I'm up here trying to you trying to get you to become the God version of you, okay? And so that is a biblical pattern that we're going to unpack. All right, Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. And it, goes, it begins, it says, then the Lord told him, this is God talking to Moses, all right? I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Cellulites now live. No, the last one's in my insertion, okay? Some of us fight them like it's the devil. All right, now look. The cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. So let me tee this up for you. Let me give you some context because context is important. We're talking about Moses here. And for those of you that don't know who Moses is, he was a Hebrew boy that was born in the time where they were killing Hebrew babies. Okay? Genocide and, uh, and, and killing babies um, is something that's actually been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years. And um, it's a tragedy that has happened. But that's the time that Moses was born into. Moses was born into this time where they were killing all the Hebrew boys and girls as they were trying to manage the population of the Jews while they were in Egyptian captivity. And so the way that they could manage the population was let's just start killing the babies. It's a really sad story. It's a very bad start. But Moses' mom does something crazy, and she sends him up the stream in a basket that she made for him. And Moses actually finds his way to 
Pharaoh were in Egypt, okay, old times now. And so Pharaoh's daughter finds this baby, and she decides, I want to keep this little Hebrew boy as my own. She got to play like the, she got to play daddy's girl card, right? I mean, they, they wasn't, this little Hebrew boy was not supposed to live, but how many know that daughters always got like special access with daddy? I don't have any daughters. I don't, know what, I don't know what I'm saying. But from what I've seen about some of you guys, I've seen some of you guys get really wrapped up around the fingers of your daughter. So kind of picture that. Um, so Pharaoh's daughter, apparently she had Pharaoh around her little finger. So she's like, can I keep him? Like it's a puppy or something. And Pharaoh's like, yeah, go ahead. You can keep him. Um, but what's really cool about the story is she needed someone to wean the baby. So uh, as, um, as, as God's providence would have it, Moses was still weaned by his own birth mother. But eventually once he was done weaning, she had to then give him back to Pharaoh's daughter to now be adopted and raised as a Hebrew boy but like a prince of Egypt. So he's raised in Pharaoh's house. So his granddaddy, all right, his, his, his granddaddy, he's the big boss. He's Pharaoh. And that's, um, but, but uh, Moses is raised in Pharaoh's home, like family, but not quite family, but, you know, the, the, you know, the daughter's raising him. So he's raised like an Egyptian, but his real identity is that of a Hebrew. And he knows that because, again, he's weaned by his mom. So he knows he's a Hebrew, but he's raised like an Egyptian. And he starts seeing the oppression of Hebrews around him and fully aware of who he is. And as he's seen the oppression of other Hebrews in his time, he decides to, to do something about it. And, and the Bible records that he actually killed an Egyptian that was treating a Hebrew very harshly. And um, it ended up causing him to have to go on the run because murder was still murder at this time. And so even though he was like a grandson to Pharaoh, I mean, this was not okay. It was not okay for a Hebrew boy, now man, not okay for this Hebrew man to kill another Egyptian. So he has to run, and he hides out in the wilderness for 40 years. Everybody say 40 years. I mean, I'm not even, I have not even been on this earth that long, okay? I'm 38 years old. Um, but he's hiding for 40 years, and this is when God now catches up with Moses. So this passage of scripture that we read, Moses is about 80 years old at this time. He spent the first 40 years of his life in Egypt and the next 40 years of his life as a fugitive hiding in the wilderness. Are we all caught up now? All right, because context is important. So now God appears to Moses, and he appears to him like a burning bush. And he tells Moses all of this great thing. Moses, you're going to do this. And Moses, you're going to do this. And Moses, you're going to do this. And immediately Moses is like, I'm up to the challenge. Let's go and do this, right? No. As a matter of fact, Moses tells God no five times. Everybody say five times. I don't know if you know that. He didn't just say no to God once. He's like, yeah, I don't think I can do that. And then, and, and God's like, oh, no, you're going to go and do it. And then he comes up with another excuse. He's like, no, I don't think I can do it. And then God, come, you know, kind of answers that question. And then Moses a third time is like, God, I don't know. L listen, God, all the way to five. How about arguing with God, all right? I mean, like, have anyone ever told God no? Like, God told you to do something, and you're like, I really don't want to do it. I mean, Moses, I mean, he, he, he so did not get this. The reason he fought with God as much as he did is he did not want any piece of Egypt. He did not want to go back to that. So he tells God a total of, he tells God a total of five times, I don't want to go. And he's got excuse after excuse after excuse. And this is what it is like when God will actually come and put a God dream in front of you. When God comes and puts a God dream in front of you, if you're not careful, you'll end up telling God no. 
And there are five big misconceptions about God dreams that sometimes, sorry, we're playing with the lights. Don't let it scare you. Um, there are five misconceptions about dreams that sometimes we put in front of God. And the first thing we might say is, I don't have a dream. Anyone ever met someone that's extremely pessimistic and the answer is no to everything? I've met someone like that where you're like, how about this? How about this? How about this? Like, like glass, like half full people. And, and so people who are naturally bent towards pessimism, they're probably the first ones that are like, I don't have a dream. That's misconception number one. We all have a dream, and we're going to unpack that in a second. And the second misconception is, is that we think, well, I have to invent my own dream. Um, I have to think of something, and, and I don't have a natural dream, so I'm going to have to fabricate those things. And, and the reason we do that, and this is my first point that I want you to write down, the reason we do that is because a big dream will usually overwhelm you. A big dream will usually overwhelm you. And our response when we are overwhelmed with something that we are being led to do is to either bury that thing, I don't really have a dream, Okay? You either bury that thing or you talk your way out of it. And so a big dream will usually overwhelm you. But I, I, I want to teach you something about how we are created by God. The Bible says this. When God created us, he created us in the image of God. Everybody say the image of God. We are not made in the image of your favorite blogger. You are not made in the image of your favorite YouTuber. That's like a thing now. You guys ever heard of that? YouTubers? Ask your kids. They'll tell you all about it. Like my son, like celebrities to my son are like famous YouTubers. Oh, dad, he's a famous YouTuber. I'm like, what? Some dude with a camera in his bedroom's famous now? Uh, you know, and so, uh, uh, and so we're not made in the image of our favorite YouTuber. You're not made in the image of your favorite celebrity that you like to social media stalk. Anybody got any of those? Come on, be honest in this place. I, I mean, for the longest time, um, y'all know some of my story. I got really into endurance athletics, and there was this one endurance athlete. And, like, I just, I, man, that was just my dude. I'd be like, man, what's he eating today? What's he doing today? You know? Oh, my God, he's in San Diego. I got to go find a way to see him, you know? I'm going to be honest. I fanboyed it once, you know? Um, but, but listen, when, the way when God makes us, he makes us in his image, all right? He makes us in his image, and he also creates us to be an original. He creates us to be an original. So he has deposited a very unique and original dream on the inside of you. And listen, the only way you're going to begin to start unpacking that thing that God has created you to do is you've got to get closer to God. That's why coming to church on a Sunday for some of you is a very healthy rhythm to get into. Some of you might be thinking, but I can worship at home in my garage and God is everywhere. Yes, God is everywhere. But the reality is, is that you're probably not pressing in and leaning in the way that you need to lean in. And so when God says, I've made you in my image, he's saying that I have made you in the, the, I, with the identity that I have for you. So there's an identity that I put on the inside of you, and that identity is an original. You want to know what's wrong with today's society if we're not careful? Too many people are born originals, but they die a copycat. We're all born an original, but we die a copycat because we're trying to conform to what other people are doing, or we're trying to ascribe to what this world has called success, and it's success by the world's terms and not success by God's terms. I had every reason to stay on the path that I was on in my corporate career. 
I was on an upward trajectory, and I've shared this with some of you. When I graduated from college and I began to pursue my career, my ambition was to make as much money as I could, as fast as I could, as young as I could. And that was my upward trajectory. And I was working for a company here in North County, and I would tell people, I want to be making six figures by the time I'm 30 years old. And that's what I went for. I, by the grace of God, actually accomplished it. But when God said it's time for you to step away from that, I had to go several, 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 several steps backwards financially because there was a God dream on the inside of me and it was bigger than what the world would call success and it was bigger than what the world would say you should be doing. I had to walk away from a lot of things, but I did that because there was a dream on the inside of me. There was a dream on the inside of me. Because there's a dream on the inside of you and because God has breathed that dream on the inside of you, you are born with a purpose. You're born with a purpose. And that is why as a church, and I, sometimes I preach our announcements, that's why as a church, the third thing that we want for you is we want for you to discover your purpose. The first two things that we want for you is, number one, we want you to know God. The second thing we want for you to do is find freedom. And the third thing that we want for you is to discover your purpose because we all have one. God has deposited something deep on the inside of us. And until we accomplish that thing, you're going to be restless in this world. You will be so restless until you accomplish the thing that God has called you to do. So, um, again, oftentimes the reason we say no is because we are overwhelmed at what God has called us to do. We are overwhelmed with it. How many of us would do something other than what you're doing now if the path was easy? Come on. Let's be honest. How many of you are probably not doing what you really want to be doing with your life, but you know, man, if I wanted to do that, that would not be easy. Yeah, a lot of you raised your hands. Some of you are right where you need to be, and that's cool too, all right, because we're all at different places on our journey. But for many of us, there's things we'd rather do, but the journey overwhelms us. The thought of walking away from it all overwhelms us. The thought of having to put a pause on all these things that you might have built up. And it's a sobering reminder when you actually build up so many things and then God says, but that's not what I have for you. This is why Moses said, no, 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 no. I don't want to go back to Egypt. He had carved out a nice little life in hiding. And he's out there hanging out in the wilderness and God's saying, I want you to go back. He's like, I don't want to go back. I don't want to do it. But there was a God dream on the inside of him. Let me move on. Now, when God called out to Moses, he said to him, watch what God says to him. I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their cries. Come back to the text. God tells Moses, Moses, my people are crying out for me. I've heard them. I've heard them, and they are being oppressed. And that's why we're having a conversation. That's why I'm here talking to you. Remember I said there's five misconceptions about dreams. The third misconception about a dream is that you think that your dream is not important. I have a dream, but it's not that important. And if we're not careful, we'll lie to ourselves. That's that negative thinking. We'll think that our dream is not important. But this is the second thing that I want for you to write down. Your big dream meets a big need. Okay? Your big dream meets a big need. And so Moses had to wrap his head around the fact that there was a need. And it was a huge need. And it required Moses to step out and to go back to Egypt and go to an uncomfortable situation because the need was so, so great. What I mean to tell you by all that is the God dream on the inside of you is much larger than just the role that you play. How many of you have ever felt like you were playing a role in a much larger song? 
Have you been there before where you felt like, man, I, I feel like I'm doing something, but I feel like there's something even bigger than that. I feel like I'm a part of something big that God is doing, but I feel like it's just a role, and what God is doing is so much bigger than that. And so Moses needed to understand that God wasn't just calling Moses to step into his God dream because God was bored and had nothing better to do. There was a big need connected to that dream. My God. And so the God dream that he's put on the inside of you is a direct response to a really big need. And, and, and the, what I love about what God is doing here in this community and the reason that Lighthouse Church had to come to North County is because there's a big need in the greater North County area of San Diego. I don't know if you think about that or I don't know if you believe that, but us and our crazy launch team, we believe that. We started gathering in the month of September 2018, and we began to dream about this. Why did we begin to dream about this? Because we believed that there was a need so big that God was calling us to stretch out and to come up here and to leave our comfort zone and to do the things that he has called us to do because my big dream is connected to God's big need. Amen? This is why the fourth thing that we want for you, remember I said there's three things that we want for you. The fourth thing that we want from you after, make a different, um, after you discover your purpose is to, number four, go out and make a difference. We want you ultimately to make a difference in this world. And I preached on this on launch day. Maslow talked about in his hierarchy of needs that at one point in time he thought self-actualization met the greatest need of humanity. And he rescinded that theory and said transcendence meets the greatest need of humanity. And deep down on the inside of us, our greatest needs as human beings is to belong to something that's bigger than us. That is the ultimate need that we have. And that is when we feel the most fulfilled, when we believe that our part is, is helping solve a bigger issue. Our part is part of a bigger need that God has in this world. Now, so what God does is because he's got a big dream and he, put, and, and, and he uses that big dream to work out a big need in your life, what God does, and I love this, and it, it makes me scratch my head, but he decides to accomplish his work through people. Everybody say through me. They say through me. The reason he puts a big dream on the inside of you is because although God can fix problems himself, he would rather do it through you. That's his choice. God, if you think about this for a second, God, infinite in power, can do anything that he wants to do, okay? Decides, I'm going to accomplish my will here on earth through people. I'm going to accomplish what I want to do through people. Now, is he bound by people? He's not bound by people. But I believe that God gets the greatest glory when he uses people who are broken, when he uses people who are frail, when he uses people with failures, when he uses people that don't have all of their stuff together. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to put my dream in broken humanity. And when they wake up to, the, to who they are in me and they go out and accomplish this thing, they're going to point to an incredible God that still works through broken people. Come on, how many know that God works through broken people? He still accomplishes his work here on earth through broken and flawed humanity. And so we have this misconception. This is misconception number four. I have this dream, but it's up to God to do it. And God is saying, no, 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 no. It's not up to me to do it. I'm actually going to allow you to be a part of this. And I'm going to allow you to share in this work here on earth. And that's the way God works. And it blows my mind because as I st step back and think about it, God does not have to do it that way. God does not have to share his glory with anyone. And it's not as though he shares his glory with anyone. Not that he's going to share his glory with you per se, but he's going to allow you to raise your hands in victory and say, look what God has done. 
He's going to allow you to be a part of that process and say, look what God has done. In a few weeks, we're going to have Baptism Sunday. And for those of you that have been bringing your friend to church, you've been bringing your coworker to church, you've been bringing your family member to church, several people are going to say yes, and they're going to get baptized in Jesus' name on that day. It is going to be the beginning of a God thing in their life, and he's going to allow you to be a part of the process. How many excited to be a part of what God is doing? So we have this, we have this conception that, well, well, God's just going to have to do it. I realize that the kingdom of God is advancing, but it requires me and you to step out of our comfort zone and chase the thing that God has called us to do. Now, how many have ever stepped into things that you knew God was calling you to do and it was uncomfortable? It's always, listen, the truth is your big dream is always outside of your comfort zone. I'm going to preach more about that next week. I'm excited because I'm a, I love this series. Today, I'm just trying to get you to wake up to this thing. But just know that that big thing that God has called you to do, it's never inside your place of comfort. Because if it was easy, you'd already be doing it. As a matter of fact, if it was easy, you wouldn't need God to do it. But he's going to pull you to a hard place. and He's going to pull you to this place where you're going to have to surrender to him. Because when you surrender to him, you realize, I can't do this without the help of God. And it is this divine partnership between heaven and earth. The, the power of a limitless God and us and our brokenness. And yet still reaching out to him and saying, God, I can't do this by myself. But God, if you do it through me, then we can go and do this thing. Come on, clap your hands if you've ever said to God. God, if you can do it through me, then I will do it. So the kingdom of God is advancing. We have to get this place where we get out of our comfort zone because he will not force himself on you. As much as God wants the best for you, he's not going to force you to do something. We give our excuses to God, but he will not force himself on you. And, and, and what's sad to me is the amount of people that are buried with unfulfilled potential. People that go to a grave never becoming the person that God desired for them to become because they were unwilling to stretch themselves. Unwilling to say, God, use me, whatever the cost, whatever I have to go through, there's a God dream on the inside of me, and I've got to see that thing fulfilled. But God will not force that on you. He's looking for you to step forward and say, here I am. Here I am. Now, now God didn't give up on Moses. I mean, God's patient. How many ever read the Bible and thought, man, God is so much better than me? I mean, someone tells me no like twice. I am done, you know. I ain't got time for you. Get out of here. But, but God told, God looks at Moses and, and he continues to stretch him and stretch him and stretch him. And I wrote this down in my notes. Listen, God did not call us to live comfortable lives. God called us to change the world. Say that one more time. Let that settle in, Okay. God did not call you to a comfortable life. God called you to change the world. The comfortable life is what we want. I think God in his goodness will give us that, okay? But he didn't call us to that. The greatest issue that we've got to overcome as, as Christians, and the, the biggest problem that we have in Christianity is we think God is obligated to answer every single one of our prayers as if he's a genie to be manipulated, as if he's just waiting on hand and foot, does God hear prayer? Absolutely. Does God answer prayer? Absolutely, when it's in his plan. But when what you want doesn't align with his plan, he's not obligated to do it. I know we want to bend God's will. I know we want to say stuff like name it and claim it. And if you say it, say it, say it, you're going to see it, see it, see it. But that's not the way it works. 
if you could align your heart with God's heart, and you'll start saying the things that God wants to say, and then you'll see God do it. Absolutely. When your heart is aligned with God's heart, and you're saying the things that he wants to see, and you're doing the things that he wants to see, trust me, he will open up doors before you that nobody can open. Because that's when you have aligned yourself in the perfect will of God, and he's going before you, and the things that were hard for other people are easy for you, because there's a grace on your life, because you are flowing where God has called you to flow. But when you step outside of that, and you're wondering, where is God? God's wondering, where are you? God, where are you? You said if I stepped out of my comfort zone. Yeah, I stepped out of your comfort zone and into my plan for your life. But not into your plan for your life. Trust me. Trust me. When, when, can I be real with you all? My dad, I had a very real, my dad is, is he's my spiritual father. And because uh, my dad's an incredible dad. I shared with you all. I, I was very fortunate to grow up with an amazing dad. As a matter of fact, um, I, when I realized my dad was amazing, I wouldn't even tell my friends about how good my dad was because some of them had a very broken home and they had father wounds and father issues. And if I'm being 100% honest with you, um, I, I was almost like not embarrassed, but I didn't want to share how good I had it because I'm like, man, I got it good. And um, how many of y'all got good, good fathers? I'm talking natural here, okay? We all know we got a good, good father in heaven, right? It's a good song about that. But I'm talking about good earthly father, good earthly father. And if you didn't... Um, I don't want you to think that that in any way is going to shape your future because that's why we have our Heavenly Father. He steps in. He's always been there. How many know that your Heavenly Father's never missed a game? I know maybe your dad lets you down, but how many know your Heavenly Father never missed your game and he didn't miss your graduation? He's always been there, okay? But like my earthly pops, like he never missed a game either, okay? So I had it really, really good. But uh, one time in this moment of vulnerability with my dad, um, my dad was very open with me, and he said, I got very disappointed that God called you into the ministry. I know it sounds weird, right? You're like, what? But my dad was like, he's like, I actually got upset with God that he called you into the ministry because I saw your potential to make a lot of money and be successful in the corporate world. And I saw your potential, and I thought, I'd rather Josh just, like, not deal with the church and have to deal with that. I mean, still be a Christian, right? That I'm not talking about not being a Christian. I'm talking about you know, giving my life to this thing. And my dad told me when he began to see God's mark on my life and he began to see where I was headed, he, in a very real moment, my dad said that he went to God and said, not that son. Choose another one. Because, I mean, there's four of us, right? So, <laughs> kind of like, like the reverse Jesse in the Bible, right? Like, he was almost trying to hide me, but for other reasons, like, no, 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 not that one. I mean, he, I mean, that's my retirement plan, God. I mean, <laughs> not him. <laughs> And my dad, like, in this, in this very real moment, told me that he wrestled with God. And then finally God, like, said, no, 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 not your will, my will. Not your will, my will. And, I mean, you know, I've been in the, like I tell you, like I tell you God, I've been in ministry for 20 years. Sorry when I was 8. No, I'm kidding. I'm 38, okay? So when I was 18, I entered into the ministry. I've been doing this for 20 years. I thought I was going to be a drummer for the rest of my life. Today, how many of y'all enjoyed the, the band today? They brought it. I know this is like a total, I'm almost looking at the guitarist and my brother playing the drums. I had my stay. I was trying to worship, and then I was like, oh, that sounded so good. I had to pull out my phone. I was like, all right, now get back to worship, you know. They were killing it today. But, I mean, that's all I ever wanted to do with my life was do music because I played the drums, and I was decent, and I thought this is all I ever wanted to do. And then God got a hold of me, and then I had to say I lay it all down because I realized that my big dream, my big dream 
was meeting a big need. And do you want to know what the big need was for my life? Right here in the city of San Marcos in the north county of San Diego, God said there's a big need. And 20 years ago, this thing started in my life. But God did not call me to live a comfortable life. He called me to change the world. And sometimes my comfort will be tested. Now, last thing, and I'm, and I'm, I'm coming to a close now. Um, if I can get Brother Dan up here, I appreciate it. Because I'm coming to a close now. Now, there, remember I said there's five misconceptions about dreams? So get this. I've talked about, I've talked about several misconceptions, but the, the, the four. But there's a fifth one. Sometimes the reason we don't chase our dreams is this misconception. I had a dream, but it's too late. I had a dream. But it's too late. Now, we might disqualify ourselves because of our age. We think, I'm too old. Now, we're a pretty young church, so I don't think we're going to have a lot of people there where they feel like, I'm too old to chase down my dream. But sometimes we feel like it's too late because we made a big, big mistake and God can't use us. And so we disqualify ourselves because of age or we disqualify ourselves because of mistakes that we made. So the third thing, the third big idea that I want you to get is that it is never too late to pursue your dream. It is never too late to pursue your dream. How old did I tell you Moses was when God showed up to him? Where are my good listeners at? 80. Most scholars would say when God came up to him, I was like, Moses, it's time. You want to know why God had to remind Moses of his dream? Remember that context stuff that I was telling you guys about earlier? Moses, looking out, he saw a big need. He saw that the Jews were being oppressed by the Egyptians. They, they, that wasn't just labor. That was slavery. And he saw that, and he tried to do something about it. So he, he took matters into his own hands, and he, he killed an Egyptian taskmaster. He tried to do it on his terms. But look where that got him. And so he felt like there's no way that I can do it. But when God catches up to Moses and he's 80 years old and he feels like he's disqualified, God didn't birth a dream in him. God reminded him of the dream that was in the inside of him. Moses already saw a glimpse of the future thinking, I've got to do something about this. My people are being killed out here in slavery. I've got to do something about this. So the dream was already on the inside of him. And what God does is he comes back and he reminds Moses, Moses, I've heard the cries. I've seen the oppression. Moses, it's time. It's time. And so our fifth excuse that we give God is, God, it's too late. And I hear God saying, it's never too late. I hear God saying, it's never too late for your dream. Moses was 80 years old, and he was a fugitive when God catches up to him. An 80-year-old fugitive, and God comes back to him and says, Moses, there's a dream on the inside of you. There's something that I've called you to do. Moses, there's something that you have got to accomplish here on this earth. I know you're old. I know you're feeling like you made some big mistakes. And I know you're feeling like you can't do this. There's one more scripture that I want to show. If we can put that on the screens. I think about the screen, this verse, every time that we think that there's no way God can use us. Because either we disqualify ourselves or we, whatever the excuses, whatever the excuses, this verse always comes to me. And it says, and I am certain that God who began, everybody say began. I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He's not done with you yet, Lighthouse. 
you might be thinking, oh, but, you know, I'm, I've got grandkids now. And? Is there anything too hard for God? Do you remember that? Do you remember that rhetorical question when God was dealing with Abraham? And Abraham was having a hard time bending his will to God. Because God looks at Abraham and he tells him, hey, man, you're going to have so many kids, it's going to be like the sand on the seashore. And Abraham's like, hey, God, I'm 100. <laughs> True story. It's in the Bible, okay? Like, I'm not in my prime, you know, child-rearing years. God's wrestling with Abraham and he says, is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? And I'm here to talk to you and I'm here to talk to your dream today. What is that dream that you've given up on? Have you ever felt like you were stuck? I, I, I remember because I've been there before. I know what it's like to have a great job and toil, toil, toil away at that great job and know that you are 100% outside of God's will for your life. I know what it's like to be somewhere where even in the midst of everything, guys, I'm telling you, things were great around us. I mean, this was like, you know, I didn't have my first kid till I was 30. My wife and I, I think about back in those times where it was just my wife and I, just like killing it, you know, doing good. Um, going on trips anytime you want. How many with little kids? No, you can't do that no more. Good Lord, you can't even go to Denny's anytime you want. It's like, let alone a trip. Um, it's like you, you go through these seasons in life. And I remember being in a season in my life where though everything might have looked great externally, because, hey, this is success. This is, this is, I'm on my way. I'm climbing this ladder. And God was like, that's not the dream I put in you, Josh. That's someone else's dream. And to an extent, watch this now. Innocent as it is, that's your father's dream for you. But that's not my dream for you. So some of you are wrestling with that. Would you bow your heads? I want to lead you in prayer. We're just getting started with this series. But my hope is that you would be awakened one more time to the dream that God has on you. Come on, every head bowed. We're going to pray in just a moment. But I want us to lean into the spirit right now. I want us to lean into what God is doing. God is calling us. And there is a dream on the inside of you. Come on, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that everyone in the sound of my voice, that they have heard your word today. Not my word, Father, your word. And that there is a dream on the inside of every person in this place that needs to be awakened. God, for every person that, pray, that feels like they are disqualified, I pray that their faith doesn't fail them. For every person that thinks that it's too late, they've got kids now. They've got other obligations. They can't chase that dream. I pray that you would awaken it on the inside of them, Father. I believe you've called us to God things. I believe you've called us to big needs. I believe you've called us to change this city, to change this world, Lord God. And I know that the, at the end of every God dream, there is justice on it. Your God dream for us is not just for us to enjoy pleasures here on earth, but your God dream for us is to change this city and for people to get to heaven that wouldn't otherwise go. So, Father, I pray that we would awaken to our dreams. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Could you clap your hands all over this house where you are? If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.